0: hi everyone it's cole here doing the edit i wanted to give you guys a bit of a content warning we do talk about the subject of violence and sexual violence particularly um in the context of old films um so wanted to give you guys a bit of fair warning it happens mostly between three minutes and 11 minutes 40 but we do refer back to it later so if you want to skip that's totally okay
1: Welcome back to another week of Riffs and Scripts. Riffs and
0: Scripts. I kind of said that
1: like it was being played backwards. Like, Riffs and
0: Scripts. Riffs and Scripts.
1: Yeah, exactly. Riffs well, well and
0: Scripts.
1: Uh, I think week, that's, that's
0: an achievement in itself.
1: It is. This week our theme is looking back on some um, big cultural moments in the 60s. Uh, but before we get there, how are you, Cole?
0: I'm all right. I'm ticking over. I got a new job. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, I got got an admin job I'm doing. Um, We need to do an admin uh, episode. We need to do an episode about working in admin. The the thing is that there's so many admin temp jobs that you can grab. If you're you're lucky enough to be pretty good at writing an email, you'll be all right. Um, And you can get one. And, you know, doing these kind of part time jobs is good if you're in my position where you want to be making music kind of commercially rather than just as a hobbyist.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: um, With your time.
1: I think I said this last week, but one of the one of the details I'm really enjoying about not having an agent is I can apply for non-acting work, like kind of guilt free. So I've applied for more like full on producing contracts and Mm. I applied for like an an ASM job, which is basic. It's called assistant stage manager, but it's a stage hand job. Yeah. Move the props, set shit up. Uh, but for a big tour. So like I'm kind of excited to have a bit more freedom around the other freelance stuff that goes on in the film and theatre industry besides the acting day job. Do your day job, but be available for acting. You know, all that stuff.
0: Yes, so um, we're looking at the 60s. Now, the 60s is a kind of colossal subject
1: it really um, particularly is,
0: yeah. in music so um we decided to just pick up a couple of things that we've been thinking out about over the last week and kind of talk about them um about some of the kind of cultural moments of the 60s and look at them with you know our 21st century eye as it were i think oh, exactly. you kind of prompted that a bit no um, you summed way, it up perfectly
1: yeah i think because you were going to do you were planning ranked And I was like, "Uh, look, everyone knows about Hitchcock. (laughs) Everyone knows that I love Mary Poppins. So I've gone in a slightly different direction. And I think we've each got three things we're going to bring up and we're going to get into a little bit.
0: I think so. Uh, Amber, do you want to kick it off? I'll go on
1: then. I'm going to start with an obvious one. I've got a really fun one to chat about, but I'm saving it because I think it's something that will actually be new to a lot of people. So I'm going to start with a really obvious thing. What the fuck is up with James Bond? Weird, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. James Bond is awful. Like, okay, so on one hand, I love the the idea of the international man of mystery and the gadgets and the suits. And that's yeah, yeah. all really fun. But the issue is James Bond at its core um, is flawed. It's an oxymoron. I actually did a whole thing about um, male identity in old cinema and Jay- and and how you it's not possible to tick all the boxes to be the perfect man it it's contradictory and yeah. that contradiction is really present in James Bond mainly in how sexist it is yeah. and Sean Connery's stuff is the worst it is yes. the worst there's a clip that we saw the other day that was um literally their biopool bond is with a very attractive woman who is not wearing very much and then some kind of spy colleague comes over and it's ah oh, say hello to lieutenant whatever pretty woman says hello and then he turns her around smacks her ass and says now go on dear the men are talking <laughs> that I is think
0: in I remember bond. that yeah i think it's, i remember that
1: it's awful like so so the 60s was really shameless for its sexism and when you're making movies about this endlessly desirable ultra masculine spy it just got taken to an awful extreme and i will argue that it is still present i haven't watched Mm. a new bond film in a while but it there's this pattern of so you want you want love as well as just sex right Mm. that's part of the fantasy but you can't do that over and over and over again because then it isn't love so what keeps happening is um Bond falls in love and then they conveniently die so that he can have sex as well.
0: Have you 10 have minutes you ever later seen... there's one Bond film. So so I love the James Bond films um and I recently restarted watching the Sean Connery ones and I was like oh fuck because I love the James Bond films because I watched, like, the Roger Moore ones and the nicer Sean Connery ones when I was a kid. And then I watched all the Piers Brosnan ones as they came out. Yeah, I watched a lot I think that just and shows our And then I watched the Daniel Craig ones. So I was like, yeah. oh, I love James Bond. And then the other day I saw Thunderball for the first time and I was like, what the actual fuck am I watching? Yeah. Because... Oh, my God! He's just this belligerent, violent rapist like it's fucking awful that one particularly is really, really bad um and it seems to it's it I can't even describe it like so I grew up on um from Russia with love was one of my favorite ones when I was a kid, yeah, and um you know you don't pick up on some of the weird violent sexist stuff um when you're younger that one admittedly has less in it than something like thunderball or goldfinger yeah
1: i i was mainly talking um, about goldfinger but yeah goldfinger is bad.
0: abhorrent um there's there's a few films from that era so so uh, you know i i mean i i look at a lot of films and go oh shit for instance you know me; I love my spaghetti westerns.
1: Yeah, you do. And, I was gonna, um, I was wondering how quickly westerns would come up and, <laughs> and yeah, talking sorry, about the sixties. You know, <laughs> it's
0: it's the similar era and uh, Clint Eastwood, but there's one where he just goes in and he rapes someone, and that's the first thing he does in the film. And I, and and uh, I awful. hadn't seen that one. I think that one's High Plains Drifter or one of the other ones, but it's a Clint Eastwood one. And I was like, "What the actual fuck? What are they trying to say here?" Yeah, and I was like, uh, "Okay, because so, because it's possible." that they're saying this person is not morally good and that's a statement about the character. And though that's, like, really fucking dark, I can kind of see that. Yeah, it's just that
1: that's been done so much in cinema now where the baddie is also, like, a sex offender.
0: Yeah, I suppose, like, you know... And a lot of a lot of those Cowboy films, the Clint Eastwood ones, because when I think of those, I think of of Dollars, a few dollars more, and Good, the Bad and the Ugly, right? And slow I down, also babe, think of sorry. I think of also The Magnificent Seven and I think of um Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um and a lot of those are quite a lot more gentle. Well not not the Sergio Leone, um, the Clint Eastwood ones, but things like Butch Cassidy, um, is about friendship and family and and stuff like that. And um Even those ones, you know, um, like uh, Fistful of Dollars, you know, the point is that he's just some guy and he turns up and he ends up just having to do the right thing. Yes, for his own good, but he's choosing to make positive decisions. The Magnificent Seven is another example of all these guys who've had these really horrible pasts and they decide to come together for a greater purpose than themselves. And that itself is based on um, Japanese um, samurai kind of lore stories and things um and we've mentioned this
1: before but also we can't talk about how sexist these films are and this applies to westerns as well as bond without talking about how racist they are
0: Mm. they're so racist Mm -hmm. oh my god
1: there was a moment in a sean connery bond film i can't remember which one i watched it years ago on a day where there was like a bond marathon so i was watching it with my family and he's in the middle east i can't remember specifically where but i'm pretty sure it's the middle east and there's a child a dark-skinned child Trying to hmm. sell him something like a statue or something. And he says something like, Tell you what, kid, if you can get this boat to work, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And then he gets the boat to work, and then he pushes the dark skinned child off the boat. Charming. Awful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's 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 all this stuff lives in a strange place in my head. Um I I look at it and think, you know. This is the jokes of the time and the, and the stuff of the time, but also you're just like, what the actual fuck yeah, am I watching? I like, I, I've, I'll give give you a really good, what I think is a really good example. Um, there's 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 two of them, right? There's um Team America, and there's the Ben Stiller directed film Tropic Thunder, right?
1: Ugh, I I yeah.
0: So so um. You probably will hate those those films, but they were kind of taken. I the love piss out of Team America.
1: I hate Tropic Thunder. No, that's fair
0: enough. Um, I, can I explain? Uh, Tropic Thunder is actually actually does it does it particularly well. But in Team America, they decide they're going to make the character look like um, a guy from the Middle East, right? And so the the exact same thing is happening in Tropic Thunder. And the whole point in Tropic Thunder was that the actors are just awful people, yes. right? No, and, I know that
1: tr- we're talking. To- no, right.
0: no. Mm. But but no no it's all right because because we're talking about um Robert Downey Jr.'s character who's who's playing Robert Downey Jr. is playing an Australian actor who's playing a black uh guy from 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 the Vietnam War, and they do the scene in um when when they make him look like a black guy and it's supposed to be apparently terrible. thats yeah, kind of I was going to say, but the thing is that specific it's scene, it. yeah, that specific scene is in James Bond. That's Ooh. why that that specific scene is in *You Only Live Twice*, which I also rewatched recently. So yeah. that's what they're specifically doing. I can totally see why people don't like *Tropic Thunder*. By the way, like I totally understand, and that yeah, that's like well, fucking hell. I
1: understand that *Tropic Thunder* is mocking movies that do things like yeah. blackface, but I personally cannot watch it and enjoy it. That's that's, that's just fine. the difference. Right, let's let's keep going. Let's keep our momentum going. I think that's What's... perfectly
0: fine. But the thing is that James Bond actually did that. Yeah. Genuinely, they said we're going to make you look like a Japanese guy, and he walks out with like Romulan eyebrows from from like Star Trek, and they've painted him a bit brown. And it's just like, what is happening awesome. here? This is so racist um yeah so it's yeah so those james bond films like i totally get it i totally get it
1: haven't aged well and some of the issues arguably are still present in james bond today yeah so what's your first topic
0: okay so um i'm gonna say something people have started doing quite a bit recently and it pisses me off and i think it's a fucking stupid thing to say um, some people say the Beatles weren't that great uh, they're really overrated and there's loads of other bands like the the Stones and the Who and the Kinks who were doing way better stuff at the time and I'm just like do you know what the Beatles aren't my favourite band from that era I'm much, I prefer the Kinks way more and I'm going to talk about the Kinks in a bit I love loads of stuff by the Rolling Stones mm-hmm. but to pretend to <laughs> pretend that the Beatles weren't the most culturally relevant music group up until the 1960s is a fucking stupid thing to say. It's not just <laughs> like misinformed. Them. It's like actively. Why are you being such a deliberate ignoramus? Like, like there was it, it just completely fucking changed. And anyone who lived through, through that era goes, there was a time before the Beatles, and then there was a time after the Beatles. You know, they started out as as what we now think of as kind of Justin Biebery, One Directiony type of the the fangirl screaming thing. Except these guys went from taking all those 12-bar blues, 1-4-5 uh, chord um, progressions, which, for those at home who aren't familiar with that terminology, there's most songs up until the very early 60s were written with three chords in pop music, okay? There was loads of jazz doing loads of interesting stuff, but all the rock and roll stuff, which I love, is all three chords. The Beatles took all that three-chord stuff and was like, let's start doing weird shit with it, right? So they introduced all this interesting harmonic stuff into pop music, which it, what, what is what it was. It was a rock band, but rock and pop were kind of the same thing at yeah. that point in time. Rock and
1: roll was mainstream. And then,
0: and then they kind of got sick of, of, of doing... They did thousands of shows, right? Absolutely thousands of shows and everyone loved them because they were fucking brilliant and they were the best songwriters around and they were amazing. They had a fantastic chemistry and they were doing all this interesting, new, weird shit. And plus they had Ringo, who's just wonderful, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine. But then they went into the studio and made these fucking crazy albums that completely changed the game for fucking everyone you know white <laughs> albums sgt peppers I you love know, all, all these those albums. um i really do and and completely changed music forever and it was never yes. the same they invented psychedelia and Um, they pretty much invented psychedelia and pretty much invented prog and pretty much invented, you could argue that they'd invented heavy metal. I I wouldn't, but you could because they were doing really heavy stuff like She's So Heavy and stuff like that. These fucking massive songs, as well as all these beautifully, wonderfully well-constructed melodic things like Eleanor Rigby and She Is Leaving and all this... Fucking brilliant stuff. Yeah. So if you say that the Beatles are oh, they're not that great, oh they're really overrated. You're a fucking moron. The end.
1: I enjoyed every moment of that. Here's a fun question. Sorry. So like, I'm, re- no, no, no. I'm really, you're totally about that. right. And the the thing you need, the thing you've touched on is the Beatles made lots of different versions of music. So my favourite yes. version of the Beatles. So again, it. I don't think we can even. Deny how much they influenced other yeah. quite folky bands. You know, like yeah. um, Oasis. famously Everything. Everything. Oasis famously adore the Beatles, but like absolutely. I so I like the the side of the Beatles that you could argue branched off into like the Ed Sheerans of the world. Yes. I like yes. things like
0: yesterday. Here Comes the Sun if, and if it, Yesterday. If it hadn't been for the song Yesterday, then people like Ed Sheeran wouldn't and, exist. And, 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 like wouldn't yeah. really exist in the same way. Yeah, you know, it just it just wouldn't happen. You know, David Bowie for all his wonderful influential stuff his stuff wouldn't really be the same you know so that's what Um, I'm gonna
1: that was my question so my favourite my favourite branch of the Beatles is actually the quite soothing let it be oh my god let it be is is so simple and so powerful at the same time I think it's just so yep. stunning. Um so what So you've got the idea of the, the branch of the Beatles that I love, right? What's yeah, yeah, what's yeah. the like subcategory of Beatles music I'll, that I'll you love? I'll be
0: honest, I actually can't put my finger on it because really? I love things like Revolution where it's say you want a revolution yeah. you know I love all that shit so fucking much right yeah. but I also love bang bang Maxwell's silver hammer came down on his head you know a song yeah. a happy lovely jolly song you about like a fucking jolly murderer yeah, yeah yeah but it's about a guy who kills a guy with a hammer you know it's fucking great they did all this <laughs> stupid weird stuff and, um, Penny today oh, boy Penny Lane is in my ear. And in my eyes. See, all this listen to that, right? I've sung about four different tunes in Quick Succession. Yeah, I'm not you, sure if you, you should knew, as, but you know. Yeah, I shouldn't. They're all out of tune, but it doesn't matter. They knew ev- you knew every single one melodically, they were so fucking interesting and contained within themselves, and you, you understood exactly what was happening for yeah. all of those random things. And you know, Taxman and all these there was loads of big riffs there as yeah, well. There were you know? big riffs. And they didn't they didn't have to do that, they just wrote great songs. It's like let's do this completely different off the wall mad thing today. And still like listening to um sounds sounds mad, but like I love the stuff where Ringo Starr sings it. <laughs> like I get by with a little help from my friends. I love
1: right? that song. What a
0: beautiful wonderful song. And actually yeah. I was I, my dad was playing that literally like 2 days ago in in um at his desk and I walked past and I said I fucking love that dad. That's fucking brilliant. And he was like he was like yeah yeah, I totally agree. And and I said you know, you kind of want Ringo to sing that. You don't want yeah. a great singer to, to sing that no. because you actually want someone who's very imperfect as a vocalist to sing that. And it's a bit like, um, man, okay, so so people always shit on Ringo and, and they they have a point, but they're kind of fucking wrong as well. Yeah. So So Ringo was very unique as a drummer and also he was way better than the guy they had before. That's why they fired him, okay? But <laughs> he did all this weird, interesting stuff where he could play such incredibly simple... Um, simple kind of drum patterns and yet we do it with so much feeling like he bad production he got you know yeah, when you yeah, listen yeah. to the drums and that come
1: together do, do, yeah
0: do, it's all fucking there in come together in so yeah. little so much l- little context that's you know gr- that's another
1: great one um, you forget it's, how it's, it's many all these if all you, these
0: fucking songs
1: if you said are to me better
0: if, than everything <laughs>
1: if, if we were on like a game show and someone said name loads of Beatles songs I'd panic after like six or seven but I've known every single one you've mentioned, and they're all really, really good. Hey Jude, I love. Nah, hey, yeah, no, nah, Hey Jude nah, is. Nah, 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 I would. I put Hey Jude in a list with things like Let It Be. Let and, It Be and yeah. all those. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. The, that's the Air of Beatles I love.
0: Um, but like um, Lucy and the Sky, I was wondering when that would come dance. up because that's the most
1: psychedelic song ever. But you can't you know, get more psychedelic than that here's, song. Here's a fact
0: about it: everyone thinks it's about LSD. Everyone thinks it's about drugs, and they were doing a shit ton of drugs. But it wasn't <laughs> about drugs. Was what a had dream happened was one of them, I think it was Lennon. It might have been. Uh, I remember. McCartney, I remember had, now. Had brought his kid to school and his kid's best friend was Lucy. And they'd done an art project at school and they'd come home and, and uh, they would do this lovely little picture of his friend with all these stars. And, yeah. and it says, what's this? What's this? And he goes, it's Lucy in the sky with diamonds. How fucking wonderful Beautiful, and lovely right? is that? <laughs> how, what, what a wonderful pure little moment that we can all fucking enjoy and yeah if on a you, similar if you think the topic, aren't great you're wrong sorry on bye. a similar
1: topic i saw an interview about um the song i want to hold your hand and how it was intended yeah. to be something lovely and pure and sweet because because they really were sex um icons in their day um yeah. and they wanted something that wasn't about that and they were like hmm. what's a sign of of love and affection that isn't quite as sexual as I want to kiss you and yeah they landed on I want to hold your hand which is a beautiful choice what a beautiful choice I want to hold your hand and we all all relate to that we all relate to that feeling of oh my god the person I fancy is holding
0: my hand anyway of of romantic affection rather than necessarily expressing it through sexual desire and stuff I think we've made our point and anyway, I I I I feel like it just can't be fucking understated how good the Beatles are, and 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 people go mm-hmm, not very good, and you're just wrong. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> the <laughs> end. Full stop. Next. Next question. Next subject. Uh, H- Amber, what's going on? What's going on?
1: Okay. So my next subject is Breakfast at Tiffany's. What do you know about Breakfast at Tiffany's, Cole?
0: I never saw Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. I the most I know about Breakfast <sighs> at Tiffany's is there's that particular shot of uh what's her face Audrey Hepburn um yeah that's the one and the song from American Pie
1: right so let's talk about about Breakfast at Tiffany's as a movie let's do it I'm sorry that I
0: haven't seen it do apologize it's meant
1: to be iconic right because it's got all this fashion inspires fashion influence so it, it, it the the clothing is stunning in it and it's so iconically 60s there's so many issues with this movie the main character is an extremely shallow, money-grabbing, plays dumb for male attention woman. And I cannot stand watching it. She get mm. that it's like meant to be a love story, and she decides to call him Freddy Darling or Freddie Dear, even though that's not his name, and she chooses to call him that because that's her brother's name and she misses her brother, and I think he might be off at war or something. Like, I'm like, but why would you do that? Why would you... Why would... Can you imagine? My brother's <laughs> name is Luke. Can you imagine I'm falling in love? And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to call you Luke. What? I could That's never... so
0: grim. <laughs> no, but, like, right? Oh, my God.
1: Now, there, I've try, got many issues with this to, film. Try and
0: send that to Music, music Tech Boyfriend. I, no.
1: No. <laughs> he has two sisters. <laughs> no. What? Never. Never. So, um, that's an issue. I don't I don't love the plot. I don't think that character development existed yet, quite frankly. It did. Uh. It did. May I defer you to Hitchcock, but there was none in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm sorry. Even the bits where they tried to get dramatic and emotional. I think the reason I feel this strongly about it is because I was told how brilliant it is. And when you're told how iconic and like you know life changing a movie is and then you watch it and you you just don't agree with a sentence in it you know now we're gonna get on to another bit of cheeky 60s racism you guys please ha. put in a 60s racism jingle on this episode
0: Da-da-da-da-da. racist
1: <laughs> so she so the plot is that she's like skin but she likes to act like she's really rich so um that's the issues and she doesn't pay her rent but she wears diamond necklaces problematic and also that's not how women actually oh anyway but the, she's got a there's a character that's her landlord so you've got Mickey Rooney who is um an american actor and comedian from new york he could not be more white if he tried if you look up black and white pictures of him when he was younger he could have been a kennedy like that's how american <laughs> and white this guy is playing a horrible stereotype of her japanese landlord
0: oh i think i've seen they put fake
1: teeth in they like tape or hold do use a bandana or something to affect the eyes and it is frankly disgusting (laughs) so there's that and now my final issue with Breakfast at oh, Tiffany's. God. Oh, have you just looked it up? It's awful, isn't I it? I just
0: googled it. I've seen this image before, and I, I felt like I had, but it's oh my really god. messed up. Mr. Right? Unishi,
1: Yuno- Unio something like that. Yeah. Oh my
0: god. I know. Is I know. that a serious film? I like. I've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's meant to be
1: one of the like original rom-coms, so it's it's got moments that are sad and moments that are romantic do you know what i mean it's meant to be romantic but i think he's meant to be a bit of a comic relief character you know like how nowadays in a rom-com you'd have a gay best friend who walks in with the coffees like honey did he call you know like you know like when a a quite a sweet film has a slightly stereotypical character
0: yeah so it used to be a, a white guy playing a japanese guy and now it's a gay guy kind of hmm. i mean
1: i spitballed that on the spot but i do think there's truth to what i've said yeah
0: no i i've always thought that that that, that they have, oh, the, gay have best the gay best friend, friend who yeah. talks all like so much like this the and thing like, is oh, darling tell us more bridget jones has a bit of that it does oh well, yeah like, come the fuck you know, on
1: bridget we love her oh
0: what's what's the name of what's her face in that sally says um
1: who are you talking about the
0: actress
1: which one uh um, who's in bridget jones
0: yeah Zellweger, Renée Zellweger." No, 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 She's been on Taskmaster recently. I don't know, boo. I have a bit of a crush on her, not going to lie. I'm just is it saying. the blonde one
1: who swears a lot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So back anyway, on continue. Breakfast at Tiffany's, my main issue with the movie isn't actually the movie. My main issue is that it was the, um, the like, backwards priorities in pop culture. So did you know Audrey Hepburn was an incredible Humanitarian.
0: I okay, so I'd heard that Audrey Hepburn, everyone remembers her for being really pretty, but she was like this really interesting, smart, like whole person That's that everyone exactly didn't, didn't know anything about.
1: So she's famous for sitting around with a cigarette in a cigarette holder, wearing a black dress with her hair up in a bun, but she did so much work with UNICEF. She's she went and she went to Ethiopia and like transported a shit ton of food to starving families she helped um immunization across turkey like she she was an incredible woman and it just makes me kind of sad that the world around her goes oh yeah you're you're the the pretty one from that movie Mm. and it's like no she is so much more than that like let's i also can't completely ignore that she also did my fair lady which is an iconic musical um and i do love her in my fair lady but yeah i just feel like at tiffany's put her in in a very shallow box that she didn't deserve to be in just because she was an an attractive Mm. actress in the 60s and female and white that's all she could be and she actually was so much more than that and i just think it's really worth remembering boom boom there we go Next.
0: <laughs> Next up. It's we're me doing. Now. We're
1: basically. This is an episode where it's just taking do. it in turns to go on a rant. Yeah. That seems to be what we're doing today.
0: <laughs> James Bond is proper rapey. And, yep. and Audrey Hepburn is more than the sum of her face. Yep. And. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really proud of that turn of phrase
1: i'm so proud of you too
0: like oh. like like okay james one james one is pro- problematic as fuck Aud- audrey hepburn is more than some of her some of her face um the beatles, and are, the great. beatles are great, the beatles and, shut are great up. And, and if you disagree you're wrong um Next. there's such things as opinions and facts and another thing is the kinks are one of the most underrated bands in all of british pop and rock music so so the kinks didn't quite break america as in the way that the rolling stones and the beatles did yeah. um the reason being is that they, they went over didn't pay their um musician um union fees and then they had to go back fucking home and uh, i think it was lola Awkward. was their big single um that um kind of changed that somewhat in America but they 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 didn't quite take over America like the beatles and the stones did. And the thing is that that in my opinion as songwriters the kinks are right fucking up there like one of my very very favorite favorite bands of all time. One of my top 10 favorite bands of all time is the kinks. Um I'll give a few examples of this. Uh, um mainly so um Ray Davis and Dave Davis were the two brothers who were kind of the core of the kinks and it was really down to Ray Davis songwriting. One of, so, so, so Ray Davis was this incredible songwriter and he had this wonderful ability to really tap into aspects of kind of um, English specifically, but British kind of cultural life that so many other bands have never quite been able to do. So things like, uh, we are the Village Green Preservation Society and all these wonderful, those little whimsical songs and uh, Dead End Street is another one um and there's so much emotional content in all this stuff and he really? wrote one of the most beautiful songs in my opinion which is um waterloo sunset as yeah. long as i gaze on waterloo sunset oh it's so so beautiful and it just makes you think you're exactly there looking at the Waterloo Sunset. Um, Terry and Julie um, at Waterloo Station every Friday night are so wonderful. And I and I, 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 I love those characters and I have no idea who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the Kinks do that. And there's lots of bands that do that. But for me personally, um, they just were able to just grab a few things out of the air and they did it fucking great. So here's another thing. They contributed hugely to the development of distorted guitar. Did you know that, Amber? I did not know that, Cole. Okay. Please
1: tell me more. So...
0: Um, <laughs> Uh, I can't remember the name of the amp, but music nerds uh, listening will uh, know. But basically, I think it was Dave Davis, a uh, lead guitarist and brother of Ray Davis, who was um, playing this little valve amp, which is like a little blue box. And I think it might even be called the blue box or the blue lunchbox or something like that. Right. And um, he was trying to get a fucking angry, shitty, gnarly sound out of it. And he didn't know what he was doing. So he cranked the shit out of it and it was like, OK, this works. Uh, And then he just got pissed off and took a razor blade to the speaker cone. Um, Like you do. Like you do. Which uh, most musicians out there, if you're having problems with your amps, please don't take a razor blade to the... (laughs) It's been been like 70 years since that happened or 60 years or something since that. Yeah, 60 years since that happened. So we've done all that we were going to do with it. Don't do it now. Okay. But... He he hacked the absolute fuck out of it, which made this kind of really distorted, um, gritty sound, and that's the sound you hear on oh, down out, down out, down out, Now out, now, now, now. Uh and uh, down, 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 out. All those big riffs, um, girl, you really got me now. Those songs, right? Those 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 Rocky King songs. That is songs, a great right? song. Um. And I I really like the solos, even though they're not like very perfect solos and they're not very well constructed. They're just like, here's an angry um, bloke with an amp that is pissing him off, let's lock him in a room and then just get him to play a solo. And that's what that solo sounds like to me, so I love it. Um, Dave, uh, Dave Davis never practiced solos. He only ever practiced like riffs and, and actual kind of musical things. It wasn't really in- interesting interesting to him to, to play through loads of endless whittling, right? But um, loads of people after that try to replicate it. And that's one of the reasons that kind of distorted guitar kicked off. Now, a big part of that is to do with Marshall and, uh, oh my God, Marshall, the best. I've got a Marshall literally looking at me. But um, yeah, they had this huge contribution to the development of angry, distorted um, guitar sounds, which can't really be underestimated because so many bands after that. Yeah, that's become a it? So, you know, they came up with some fucking great rock riffs and some really Beautiful songs, just as beautiful as, as a lot of the Beatles songs. Um look up Days, thank you for the Days. Those and the I know that the song. Sacred Days you gave me. They did loads of these beautiful, wonderful songs. Also, by the way, all these horrible ones. They're you from know.
1: like Moswell Hill. That's, like, my area of London. Yeah. That's my... Yeah. Like, I I spent every weekend up until I went to uni in Muswell Hill, and that is not an exaggeration. Mm. I even teach there sometimes now. Like, they are from, like, my my most um, personally loved area, you know? Apart from mm. maybe Camden.
0: Anyway, I Sorry, love the kinks. I just, I just think... I think Lola was the first guitar... First song I ever learned to play on guitar. Aww um uh because it's got a handful of simple chords which is what the kinks were great they just you take you take relatively simplistic elements and put them together i mean to be honest most music is that really um but you put them together in really interesting ways lola lola does that really well um but i just i love the kinks so much check out the kinks they're really underrated like you can buy album after album after album of the kinks and you'll just have a wonderful time listening to it so do that people at home there beautiful we so we've got one beautiful. more thing each that we were gonna gonna chat about what was yeah. your last little surprisey oh are, are you, you ready
1: right? are you I'm not ready? ready
0: no i'm planning a you... wee now
1: do you want to wee first
0: <laughs> no no no. i'm nervous and it makes oh, me okay. need wee <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to wee mid-episode so often yeah, <laughs> i took that seriously do. it's my bad i've had a tea anyway um have you heard of a movie called guess who's coming to dinner
0: I mean, I'm I'm going to say no, but you I feel don't, like i You don't, because if you'd seen
1: it, you would know what I was talking about. Okay. So I genuinely... So this movie, of its time, was actually breaking barriers and trying to tell people to be less racist. However, it came out in 1967, an extremely racist time. Really, <laughs> uh, almost exactly the year that it stopped being illegal to marry outside your race. So I I know that we've been like poking fun at the racism in, not poking, we've been like shaming is a better word, the racism in films. But guess who's coming to dinner actually was a movie in the 60s trying to get other people in the 60s to be less racist. The Hmm. issue is, it is now 2021, and if you watch it, you will be uncomfortable the entire time.
0: There's a lot of that now. Yes. There's a lot of that. There's so, a lot of things that were actually good and important. Yeah. But but in, in retrospect, yeah, tell me about exactly. it.
1: Exactly. So the basic plot is a very well-to-do upper middle American, upper middle class, sorry, American family have their daughter, who is a beautiful white girl, could have been played by Audrey kind of thing who brings home the man she's going to marry and he's black. Yeah. So that's the plot. So again, this movie is trying, it actually makes a lot of points on it doesn't matter. It's okay. Like it really is trying to eradicate this concept that you shouldn't marry outside your race. So I, I on one hand, I really do respect it for being so provocative in all the right ways of its time. Mm. But the issue, the other side of that issue is it's still a reflection of its time. It is still hmm. a reflection of how racist the 60s were because slurs are just thrown around. Everywhere, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. no, Daddy, I didn't expect to marry a... Oh, Like, right. like really that yeah, bad. Yeah. But it's also brilliant. My favourite bit is when... So, like I said, they're quite well-to-do, right? And I forget all the details, but basically the mum owns her own company of sorts and, like, a secretary or a PA shows up And she's clearly sniffing about, she's clearly looking for the gossip, like, is it true, kind of thing. And she's being a nasty bitch. So the mum gets her into her car, leans through the window, and is like, right, I'm going to give you a set of instructions. And you're going to follow these instructions to the letter. You're going to go back to the office, you're going to write yourself a check for this much, because you have earned it. Then what you're going to do is remove anything that might remind me that you were ever there and you're going to leave. Don't speak. Go like this authoritative rich white woman mm. just sacking her employee for being insensitive for being a nosy cow and like enjoying the, the scandal of her daughter yeah, being yeah, engaged yeah. for a black man. So she really asserts herself and he goes, no, you can fuck off then because mm. I'm not putting up with this. But yeah, the whole viewing experience is just very tense. Yeah, and that. at the time, it would have been it would have been criticised for being too accepting. Yeah, whereas you know now we look we look back and we go, "Fuck, you can't say I that." Mean, like, so that's where it's I- at. The
0: irony of that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm reminded of Get Out. Um, okay, yeah, because there's the whole subtext. Phenomenal in
1: Get Out. film, Get
0: Out. Uh, and that's that, that actor I really like, um Daniel Kaluuya. So he was—he's been in all this wonderful stuff. But, yeah, he's um, a great British out. actor, there's, isn't he? Yeah, one of those great British actors. And there's this whole subtext all the way through of she's the white girl bringing the black guy home, and this weird attitude to race and yeah. the guy who's wearing the old clothes and stuff. That's a good point. It's um, a really good point. And. Uh, yeah, that's what this whole sub subtext is about, you know. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of reminded by that. Let's do that, but make it a horror film. Yeah, why not?
1: Yeah, <laughs> honestly, look up some clips because it is shocking, because it was just so normal. Racism was just normal, and there are some. Oh yeah, it's mm. Sidney it's um, Poitier, by the way, who is actually oh yeah one of the most famous, arguably the most famous black actor of the sixties. Let me, I'd say so. You know, he's huge. I mean, the, the
0: the the irony is that um, through so much continually, you know, through now, people are so happy to exploit and celebrate um, art that fits into their sphere. Yeah, white people are so 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 happy to do that, and yet in the same breath, um, you know condemn people and say oh well if you weren't a criminal then the cops wouldn't have come at you and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's that all... kind of stupid rhetoric that yeah. happens um and it's so bizarre that we're still there <laughs> so many decades later yeah you know it's still just in the lexicon um, i think I was, that when was, it comes really... to this
1: topic i i whenever because i've had this chat with like like for example my mum. she she will she's lately especially in the last year has often said to me, You don't understand the hatred I went through because she was a working class white woman in northern England. Mm. London's always been more diverse than the rest of the, of England. So the hate mm. that she got for having black friends. So she was like, So, you know, I pioneered being accepting. And I always say to her, Yeah, absolutely. I would never undermine that. But it is a case mm. of come so far, got so far to go. Mm. So yeah, we're not in the 60s. We can't ju- we don't want to. We know better than. Um, then things like racial slurs casually thrown around in movies by white people, but that mm. doesn't mean that we're like done.
0: <laughs> it's, it's you always, gotta always you know,
1: be working on it.
0: I I like I said before, um, it's hard to watch things from from those eras. You know, it is and, yeah. And 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 I I live in this weird balance of of uh, in which uh, you know I love cowboy films, and yet this stuff is present. Uh, yeah, racism it really is. And, and, and 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 really sexism stuff is present and i love um a lot about james bond i haven't i don't really watch it much anymore frankly but um that's why i was so appalled when i when i revisited the the, the, the sean connery ones because i was yeah. like man like i don't remember it like this um i do think that pierce brosnan and daniel craig's bonds have been better but yeah again, i really liked like,
1: christina royale
0: yeah. But, oh, Casino Royale was wonderful. It's a great film, but, but again,
1: he falls in love. It's the perfect love, not perfect yeah. love story, but he feels like he's found the perfect woman and, spoiler alert, she dies.
0: What because, a surprise, eh?
1: Because he needs to still be Bond and to still be Bond, he cannot be tied down. Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's yeah, it's, crazy. It's weird,
0: isn't it? It's it's like, um... Do you know what? You should watch... There's a George Lazenby, I think it's the actor who plays it. I think it's, um... Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, when he just totally falls in love with Diana Rig, right? Um,
1: I mean, can you blame him? <laughs> I mean,
0: by the way, Diana Rig. Uh, oh my God! I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, you know. I, oh I'm no! A man. I know. I know. I, I I have that within me to just look at Diana Rig and
1: <sighs> yo. Anyway. I fancy her. I know. I mean, I've does. always been a little bit, bit left in straight, but Look at the woman. Doesn't. Jesus. Oh.
0: Um, but, uh, oh, the Avengers, as well, as in the actual the the avengers fucking hell, right, anyway, sorry, Diana <laughs> <laughs> she knows
1: you think she doesn't she know that she all knows. the dirty little boys that fancy her, you yep, think she yep. doesn't Absolutely. know absolutely right knows. and when she
0: said that line in game of thrones which when she one? says darling i was the best like something <laughs> like that she says that in game of thrones like, because natalie dormer is talk, she's like the grandma yeah she's she's the grandma and natalie dormer's character is like you know uh so it's, it's about oh i want to please him in the bedroom and stuff which is daft yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. game of thrones and then she's like darling back then i was the best I was, you know oh, yeah, oh, no. like, I was she's talking like, about oh. how
1: she got her granddad that's what, yes, how yes, yes. she it's was all like. That stuff. Oh, we weren't meant to get married, but one night with me and he—he he never learned. Exactly, kind of thing. So, oh,
0: Diana a, ring. I oh, believe oh, you. <laughs> oh. anyway, 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 completely opposite. Sorry, sorry. Oh, fucking. Oh, we're all a bit steamy in here. All right, chill down, people. Chill down. Um. The thing is that George Laz- Lazenby's Bond is like the least ugly Bond that I remember. I'll rewatch it and maybe I'll feel differently. But then he totally falls in love with her and they get married. Yeah. And then she gets killed at the very end of the film and it's fucking devastating. And um, then he goes, it's all right, we we have all the time in the world. We have all the time in the world. And then, we have all the time in the world, time enough for life. I think it's Louis Armstrong singing that, I'm not sure. But, um... It's so fucking sad. But it's the thing at nature of Bond is that they can't have actually form a romantic connection with another human being because, you know. No, you can't. Then either she's got to die or turn out to be a bitch and then die. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing that happens.
1: Which doesn't do much for how we represent women in the media and handle the no, expectations exactly. of men. And then we create incels. It's a whole thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so bizarre because there's the things about Bond that I love are... Yeah. I'm going to go in and I'll punch the bad guy in the face. Yeah, and, I've and got, go, I'm going to hey, kill you and not get and any of I'm your blood
1: p- on my suit look, kind of thing. I'll press, yeah.
0: I'll press this button on my car and it'll turn into a hovercraft and all this stupid yeah, shit. That's you know? Yeah, that's where the fun yeah, of being, Bond is. Being a bit sexy and stuff. But then there's like, okay, then there's then there's that. Yeah. okay, Rain your neck in, wind your neck in. All right. You know, like, that's, it's fun to be a bit of that, but then, oh, shit. And I felt Brosnan did it all right um, when I, I remember that. Um, I mean, the weird thing about it is that it was written by the guy, yeah, wrote Chitty Chit Bang Bang, and that's why she's called Trudy Scrumptious, you know? they're All all the women have these ridiculous names, you know? My name is Posse Galore. <laughs> Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, the Austin Powers movies are mocking all of that dumb yes. side. And they do it so well. Oh, it's like, I, my name is Ivana. I run a hump a lot.
0: Yes. Because that's how
1: ridiculous James Bond is sometimes. Okay. And it's so, so genius.
0: Someone said the point to me is that Austin Powers does James Bond better than James Bond does. Yes. And I kind of think that's right. Because yeah. he's he's very, oh, I'm very sexy and stuff. But also, but he's there's also all this stuff not. about how, oh, the girl gets drunk and then says, no, it's not fucking right. So I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. So there's all this stuff about he only I ever does that. stuff. With girls with consent, where it's obvious, like and that like, film came out right decades
1: there. ago, like and you know, you know when you don't have consent. I'm not buying the shit that people are like. Oh, but I thought she wanted to. No, you fucking yeah, it's didn't. bullshit, it's bullshit, um, it's bullshit. It's but then also, lie. it makes fun of James Bond because at the start of the second Austin Powers, the woman he marries at the end of the first one dies, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he goes, "The one love of my life," and he goes, <laughs> "Hang on, I'm single again," and it's like.
0: <laughs> that is what
1: that's what james bond does anyway we've gone back to james bond you've got but one just, more thing to yeah. talk about
0: i just wanted to say um okay so the other huge musical thing that came from the 60s i just, I just want to say one more weird thing about the nature of the 60s is that we think that the 60s was the decade of change culturally and um kind of socially and in terms of yeah uh, art and, and everything yeah it wasn't really the 60s the 60s were the offshoots of the 50s i totally people, agree people with got you a, yeah. people have really got to understand that so what what happened post-war in america you had vinyl um a baker but you had you had records music music records coming out and um you had teenagers in america with dispensable income right yeah. and the shift from music c- c- went from Perhaps positively, perhaps negatively, from um anyone from any age to specifically teenagers. All right. right. And it's really been the same ever since. Really. Yeah. The the main charts has always been garnered at teenagers, particularly women, young women. Um but you know, that's that's what it was for all those those bands in the fifties, and that kind of happened, and all the major beginning parts of the civil rights movement the 50s you know that's that's you know martin luther king and all yeah. this stuff oh, yeah for sure um um so yeah the 60s don't get me wrong but the the 60s were basically kind of what happened next where everything shot outwards and more of it you know yeah. but the 50s kind of was the catalyst the kind of technological no, and 100% sociological 100%. things happening 100%. so yeah. that's always got to be said like it's so important and rock and roll was like the big a big fucking deal okay so one of the Huge things that came out with the 60s, and you know exactly what I'm going to say was Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, um, the every legend. time he comes up at the top of the list of the best guitarists ever, and it doesn't matter that he's not, I don't know, as widdly as Ying Wei Malmstein, he's fucking insanely good. Um, again, someone else whose ability and contribution cannot be underestimated. No, so, sure. um, you know, and uh, uh, 27 was when he died. Heroin. Please don't do fucking heroin. I'm just going to say it one more time. It, it fucks up everything. It fucks up so many people's lives. So please don't do it. Uh, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you know, um, you probably already know that. But yeah. I'm just going to reiterate. Again, we
1: really can't overstate think, how much think, think it will fuck about, up your life. <laughs> think
0: about how robbed we were of all the wonderful things that people, and there's plenty of them, but people like Hendrix yeah. c- could have done 28, 29, 30 Foot, blah, 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 all the way up until, till you know, a natural conclusion to their life. And, you know, he completely revolutionised how everyone played guitar. You know, people like Clapton in um, London in the 60s, it was spray-painted on the walls, Clapton is God, okay? I that love was, Clapton. That was the phrase that everyone said. Everyone's like, Clapton's the best guitarist out there. Um, no one can beat him. He's fucking the best, right? Um, and Cream, brilliant band, you know, yep. um, Clapton's band. Um, but... Hendrix came along to a show and was uh, asked to get up and, and play with Clapton. With, with, I, I think Clapton went off for a fag, actually, and he went, went and watched Hendrix. And he, he couldn't light a cigarette because his hands were fucking shaking because he was just like, I can't believe this. I can't believe anyone's actually that fucking good. Right? Yeah. And no one could believe it because he was so fucking madly good. So he, I'll, I'll explain a few reasons why, in terms of technical terms, what he was doing. He... um had an ability to do something that guitarists call targeted playing. There's loads of different versions of this, but basically he would um, rather than sit on one place and just play a scale back and forth, he would play around the chords specifically that he was playing, which is brilliant. Um, He was somehow simultaneously loose and very tight. So he, he was able to mix in all this texture and, and um, kind of analog, human attitude to the guitar without being digital on the chords, bum, 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 all the time. And yet he wasn't really missing stuff. It was just one of his incredible abilities to do that. He was able to take things that other people had done and turn them into something insanely good. For example, Hey Joe, or All Along the Watchtower, or Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and suddenly they became Jimi Hendrix. Um, You know, uh, he was also around when there was this boom of technology for um guitar players so he was using fuzz stuff and he was using all these different interesting effects on the guitar that hadn't really been done and he used them so fucking well there's only really been two people in my mind who have truly maybe three who have truly significantly changed the approach to guitar and that's Jimi Hendrix Eddie Van Halen and probably someone like Robert Johnson one of the really early blues guys um he he did so much in such a short space of time and every guitarist after that was like i want to sound like jimmy fucking hendrix so after hendrix you had people like led zeppelin and jimmy page was looking and going fuck me jimmy hendrix is a bit fucking good let's do some stuff a bit more like that and then deep purple went fuck me led zeppelin They're pretty really fucking good, good. Yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna do something a bit like that and you know you had after that you had your richie blackmores and you had your jimmy pages and later you had your eddie van halen's because eddie van halen is, is another person who took so much from Hendrix mm. and to this day everyone is taking something from Hendrix even if you don't realize it because even any favorite guitarist you have will will have listened to Hendrix and gone holy fucking shit he's good he is, so yeah. um I'm not going to go <laughs> harp on about that anymore but seriously Hendrix is just such a fucking incredible musician and it was devastating um uh what happened to him um and also, you know, uh the sociological stuff. Like when he did the American national anthem and he made and the Vietnam War was happening at the time and he made the machine gun sounds and the sounds of screaming children and and, and bombs um going off on the guitar. No one was doing anything like that. You yeah. know, it wasn't a thing, you know? And then it fucking happened. You know, and and, and like uh, the Monterey Rock and Pop Festival, where he set fire to the guitar and he turned it into this kind of weird ritualistic thing, you know, and all the parents were fucking terrified, which is great. And that is how you know you're doing something that's going to live for a long time, you know. So Jimi Hendrix is the best. The Beatles are the best. The Kinks are the best. That's my message for today, pretty much. Great. Boom. Sorry. I just fucking love Jimi Hendrix. There you go. Don't Sorry. ever
1: apologise for loving Hendrix. The man's a legend. Yep. And on that amazing note, you guys, I think it's time for us to round it up. I think
0: that's it. Wonderful. Um,
1: you know where to find us. We're on the book of the face, the gram of the Insta, <laughs> the, the mail faces. of
0: the G. <laughs> the mail of the G. Okay, I'm going to go Riffs and Scripts pod. Riffs and Scripts on uh, Facebook. And our email is...
1: Riffs and scripts at gmail.com.
0: Boom. Please send Shicalica. us stuff send us pictures of your faces next to Jimi Hendrix and Beatles and Kinks albums going, yeah, this is fucking <laughs> we great. We love
1: them too, yeah. Or, you know, watch um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and then send me a picture of your uncomfortable face as you're watching it. I yeah, would love then, that
0: one. And show us a picture of, like, you walking past a James Bond film in, like, you know, a supermarket and going, nah, maybe not this time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week, guys.
0: Much love. Bye-bye. Bye. There is a fly in this room. I can room see upon it's, it, it's really upon funny. My tits.
1: <laughs> Can that be the post credits moment? Yes. <laughs> yes. It.
0: Fuck you, absolute winged cunt. <laughs> I was. I, I'm watching I, that you circle been, your head. It's is, really that funny. Is, that, has, that has been bothering me for like <laughs> an hour. Right. You've been trying I, really I, hard. And I've been. I've been. I. It's You've been like fucking there. And I've been I like. Know. I, know you're, I know you're behind me, you little insectoid <laughs> motherfucker. Okay, okay.
1: Anyway...